Have you ever seen any of your victims? You know, I never feel comfortable on these sort of things. Victims? Don't be melodramatic. Look down there. Would you really feel any pity if one of those dots stopped moving forever? If I offered you 20,000 pounds for every dot that stopped, would you really, old man, tell me to keep my money? Or would you calculate how many dots you could afford to spend? Free of income tax, old man. Free of income tax. The only way you can save money nowadays. Episode 68 of the Cult of Matt Mark, Cult Film Review Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Mark. Make sure to visit our blog at cultfilmreview.blogspot.com or shoot us an email at cultfilmreview at gmail.com. Show news. I actually have some show news, man. I'm, I'm gonna... Oh, yeah. What is, what's the show news? I sold a novel. I, oh, uh, that's right. I saw, I saw your Facebook post, but I, I, God, I couldn't find it. On, I don't think they've updated their website yet. Who? Who updated their the, website? The publisher. No, 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 man. It's like I, I haven't even gotten a check. I haven't even even uh, engaged with any editors yet or anything. Uh, oh, you got an advance? Yeah, man. I got. Well, that's I, cool. I, I, I'm not going to tell you how much the advance was, but let's just say I kind of blew it uh, already uh, eating dinner out one night with my wife. So, so we're talking uh, mid six figures. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's when you include the cents in there. That's right. Yeah, because I roll like P Diddy at the club. You know, whenever I. But go there's out, like a profit so. sharing thing, right? There is. If if it sells more than uh, a few copies, I guess it's uh, split mostly down the middle, which I guess is a fairly good deal. And it's a digital only imprint, so um, you know, which think- takes a little bit of the glamour. Believe me, out of publishing a novel if it's only going to, uh, you know, Kindle format. But uh, it's a, it's you know, it's it's a start. Somebody paid me for something, so yeah. I guess as soon as it comes out, man, I'm going to be right there to pirate it. Uh, please, yeah. No, I'll, I'll pick it up. That sounds well, interesting. Which one is it? Is it the third one? It's the second one. The one. Oh, that, the second uh, one. Yeah, the third one. My my agent didn't even want to put out there because. Uh, it was a little too avant-garde, a little too weird, and yeah. he it wasn't bad. He said it just wasn't marketable. All right, well, that's, yeah. I mean that's great, man. I think it's I think it'd be fun to get out. You got to give the podcast an update. Yeah, we will. I will be plugging and pimping it here on the podcast for all it's worth. Not that our two audiences overlap. Is it going to go through an editing process? Yeah, um, actually, it's just going to copy edit. They're not going to do any developmental editing on it at all. They're just, okay. uh, it's uh, it's kind of like, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not trying to be too uh, self-denigrating, but it's uh, it's put out by Prime Books, I think, is the main publisher, and they have a digital imprint. And they're like the folks that do like the you know year's best science fiction. And Clark's World, I think one of the editors puts edits Clark's World, which is, they call it a prosine. Uh, which mm. is more or less a fiction mag, but really only industry people, if you want to call science fiction publishing an industry, uh, really read that that much. So it's sort of a, uh, you know, short stories for novelists and other writers kind of magazine. But mm. uh, so they're putting a digital imprint together and want to crank out some stuff. And uh, I think they're trying to go on 
like the 50 shades of gray publishing model where you get something out there digitally. And if it takes off, then you go ahead and you put out some paper copies. Well, it's a different, it's casting a different sort of net. I mean, the whole business model has changed. So I think it's a good way. It keeps that curation idea, which is important and sort of getting lost, but it also uh, brings in the digital distribution model. Yeah. In with the curation model. I think it's probably the direction everything's heading. I mean, there's still going to be publishing houses because you still need to curate. You're just going to have to digitally publish. And so we're going to all look forward in, what, like six months to yeah. The Oklahoma Kid by Yeah, Matthew that's right. Rivette. Speaking of novelists, uh, our movie this week is the 1949 film noir classic, The Third Man, uh, directed by some chick. Who, who, what's her name? I don't, I, I don't uh, know. I don't think it's a chick. What? Is it like one of those uh, guy-girl names? Carol. Oh, that's true. That's a guy's name. I mean, it could be a female, but I can't imagine in the 1940s because Carol Reed was a producer slash director. So I can't believe that uh, a woman would be swinging that big of a dick back then. Well, I I just thought of Carol O'Connor, Archie Bunker from the 70s sitcom. Archie Bunker was the uh, character played by Carol O'Connor. So, yes, it is a man's name. But we also have a, a, a really interesting androgynous first name of the main character of the pulp novelist holly martins i've never heard a dude named holly i can't No, but i think i dimly remember it being a a masculine and feminine name i think we uh oh we should bring those back somehow what's that name and name and man holly sort of androgynous names i hate them there's just too many too many uh what are people naming their kids these days uh d'artagnan (laughs) d'artagnan Uh, Okay, let me get into the plot rundown here, the third man. Uh, After arriving in post-World War II Vienna, unemployed pulp novelist Holly Martins, played by Joseph Cotton, learns that his friend Harry, played by Orson Welles, has died in an accident. Compelled to investigate the death, Holly slowly uncovers startling revelations about Harry's life. Oh, that's it. Based on the novel by Graham Greene, this classic film noir thriller earned an Academy Award nomination for director Carol Reed and won an Oscar for Best Cinematography. 1949 uh well this is I a mean, classic could, I, yeah this is to- a classic rotten tomatoes has given it basically an untarnished 100 percent rating by all of its uh top critics uh oh it's, I, not, it's not a ton of hot top 100 movies of all time lists yeah and strangely i didn't like it so there Whoa. put that in your pipe and smoke it what you didn't yeah. like the third man i'm a You're i'm a, a salmon oh, that that is upstream. that that that's just insane. I can't. You haven't liked some of the movies I picked lately. I go, you know, Matt's gonna like the Third Man because it's it's tight, it's tight. It's got it's great not cinematography. Tight. It's got some wonderful it's not, performances. It's, it's not. not it's a, it's a movie from '49, but it's not anachronistic. It's a it's a timeless piece of cinema and storytelling. Yeah, and there's no way Matt couldn't like this unless right. he was under duress while he watched it. <laughs> so what sort of what's was no, who was mowing? Uh, okay. Was the person pressure washing their? Uh, their uh um their driveway across the uh, gully from your house again. I just downloaded the audio and listened to it on my podcast while I mowed the lawn. So that. <laughs> um, well, okay, no, it's it's one of these things that I get into with classic film. Well, and- let's just start off. We'll start off from the position that Matt, you're dead wrong. Okay. Dead wrong. I, I, okay. Go no, ahead. I understand that. Believe me, there's like a million critics shouting at me that I am. Uh, an idiot and blasphemer and uh, not an appreciator appreciate is that a word appreciator I think I think you'll come around to it but let's go ahead Uh, of film and I have no business reviewing films on a podcast 
uh, or even putting my opinion out there because I do not like the third man. And have, but have me, you seen it before? No. Or is this the first viewing? No, but but I must caveat in huge extensive ways. I, I will say I didn't like the third man. Like I don't like the band REM. I'm just it, it's <laughs> it's 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 not personal, and I mean that in the most sincere way. Uh, I didn't enjoy watching the third man. Let's put it that way. I well, okay. I understand not. Enj- I guess I'm just trying to figure out what could possibly be a problem. All the all the all the cinematography is just beautiful. All all the different camera shots are just so well composed. There's just endless great performances and characters that you can see their their character goes a mile deep beyond what the the film shows. Okay. I'm just I'm trying to figure out what could could make you not like the film. I just I I I I'm just trying to think about it and I can only guess maybe the pacing wasn't quite fast enough, but this is a top film for 49. So I'm not no, sure it's the, the pacing. The pacing picked I mean the pacing is is uh reasonable for an older film, which is my biggest complaint about older films is that the pacing's off, the beats are off, and being conditioned for modern film, which I would caveat as anything kind of post-1970. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I, I you know, it, it, it it's it's not bad. It, it holds up, I guess, for that. So the pacing, the pacing is not bad. So it's not too anachronistic in when it's holding shots too long like older films often do correct it's pretty my pro- well you want to hear my main problem let's do is, it is the plot is really poorly constructed uh it's not tight it isn't really that intriguing to be honest uh i didn't find the motivations compelling uh, th- that's kind of my big bitch in which this film isn't known for its plot it's known for a few things. It's known for its cinematography in the classic mm-hmm. vein of film noir. It's Which you known liked. For or- right. It's known for Orson Welles' performance. And Which is good. Would you agree with that, right? It's, it's okay. Uh, it's not stunning. I, I, I it's don't, enigmatic. Don't you find it enigmatic? Well, that's kind of the problem that I'm having with it. His motivation is really... The whole plot doesn't make any... It, it, okay, he faked his own death to get out from underneath the uh, auspices of the occupational police force. I mean, is that what? Yeah, I'm getting, he basically right? they were hot on his tail because he ended up killing a bunch of kids with his penicillin racket. Okay, and so he had to get he had to get out of the heat, so he had to move to another quarter in the in the city, and he thought the best way to make sure they wouldn't come sniffing after him was to fake his death. That's the big turn in the film, and it, and to that's me, the whole idea. That's how it starts. Yeah, and what? Why did he bring in his friend Holly to come help him? I don't think he planned on on. Uh, I think he was things were getting a little crazy, and he thought he'd bring his friend in, somebody he could trust, somebody who's a bit of a rube that was sort of blindingly follow his lead that he's abused in the past and who's come back to him. I mean, they they intimate that at several points that. Uh, there's no reason Holly should be friends with Harry any longer because he's been burnt a couple of times. And okay. uh, but Holly keeps coming back, so he's the, exactly the sort of trusting character that uh, Harry could use in his uh, in his uh, you know his network. He just thought he was a man he could trust and who could be manipulated to the extent he would need. I mean, he, that was his mistake. Holly wasn't that man. Holly had a weird sort of backbone that. 
just barely popped up. It was enough to perturb the whole situation. Yeah, no, I, he, he he does the right thing in the most kind of predictable, boring way possible. Uh, in this well, field, he's so. he's not that he's not that great of a man. I mean, that's one of the things that's so 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 I find so intriguing about this film. It sort of builds the movie on the on the back of a character who's weak, and I don't mean the character's drawn weakly. I mean the character is weak. That's the fine. Character itself is a weak man, and well, I think that's, it just seems so. So you he's, don't see it very. Flat out not likable. The main character isn't likable. You don't find Holly likable? No. I mean, he seems like a seems like a nice enough guy you could be a friends with, but you wouldn't depend on him in a bad situation. I don't, I don't see what about Holly is not likable. Well, for starters, <laughs> well, I, I don't. Okay, maybe likable versus believable. Uh, for starters, I don't believe that he's a Western author. I just flat out don't. He doesn't have any. Uh, have you ever Have you ever like seen a Western? writer or an author or maybe even heard an interview with them oh he wasn't wearing cowboy boots and a no, cowboy they live, hat while he was well, traveler they, to no, Vienna. they live that shit i'm telling you man they're like sam elliott they're they're really uh you know I, he's a hack writer self-proclaimed hack writer in the film uh he's a hack writer know. of a hack genre well, I, I just don't. I just that seems like a little bit of a weak argument. I mean, that well, it just doesn't because add he anything doesn't act to, like a cowboy. No, it, well, okay, he I'll couldn't t- be a hack writer. No, here's what I'm saying: it doesn't add anything to his character that he's a writer of western novels. There's absolutely nothing that that adds to the film. It's completely ancillary. It doesn't create a better character. Why didn't he? Why wouldn't he be like a writer of detective fiction? That would be more well, interesting. Way more yeah, that, interesting. That, that because, probably would have been more appropriate because he basically uses his Western movie, his Western books, as a basis for some of his thinking when he's being a detective. So he could have he could have written detective books instead. Yeah, he could have been, been a detective uh, writer, true crime author. That would have been yeah. way more intriguing because then it would give we, we, some more motivation to why he's uh, pursuing this this whole thing. Well, he's giving the same motivations. He's basically you get the idea that his Western novels are sort of about cops and robbers. I didn't get that. I, at I all. just don't, I don't think that change would really make that big of a difference in Holly. Uh, there must there must right. be something else that's disturbing well, it would, about sh- Holly. It sure wouldn't have hurt embellishing the character of Holly Martin if. if I, 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 yeah, I can see how it's a better option, but I don't, I don't see how it's the death nail in the character. Okay, I mean, it, is, is, is the, I think it might be the weakness of the character, his faults that are disturbing you. I, well, I always find fine. that I'm you disturbed when I see characters disturbing. I see disturbing characters in movies, and they they hurt me. Sometimes I want to lash out at the character, sort of angry because they've harmed me in some way. And maybe, maybe that's the relationship you have with Holly. No, I, I don't have an emotional response to Holly. He's completely boring, and when you have a boring protagonist, it makes for a boring film. Period. So one of your main concern, your main issues with this film. Is that you said the pacing's good, but you still say the Didn't give a the shit about the plot. Boring. Didn't give a shit about the plot. Uh, it's uh, I, okay, and and to be honest, I always have to put old movies in their context, which I kind of hate doing because I believe no, this that movie art, doesn't deserve to be put under the 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 headline of anachronistic. I don't think. Well, when you say anachronistic, I think that's a bit of a, a misnomer. What you really mean is uh, free of its historical context. Uh, this film, and if you, yeah, I think you're right. If you remove it from its historical context, I, I'm kind of where I'm at. That's how I'm judging the movie, which maybe isn't 
isn't really valid. Maybe I should always watch historical films in the context of their era. And I always have a problem with that because I'm conditioned. I've seen these shots, these revolutionary film noir shots, a million times in different movies. And I understand that they're influential, just like I said. I understand how influential R.E.M. is, but I don't like R.E.M. I've been to see their shows. I uh, go, okay, yes, you know, solid songwriting, good performances, good musicianship. You had uh, a little bit of a flirtatious period with veganism, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. And you got you know, burnt. Tofurky tof every day, all day. So, uh, and with I, this I film, I understand all that. I get it. I understand that that those the the you know the the filming in the sewer was revolutionary. The use of lighting, okay. Uh, the shots not being sort of your standard. Uh, I would almost say, uh, like, play theatrical shots that were pretty typical of the era. You know, where you would film a movie kind of like you were filming a play. And that I mean, wasn't done with this movie. The interesting yeah. camera angles, I get it. Uh, but it just, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, none of that excites me as, uh, you know. You, was, you didn't find the chase through the sewers exciting? You didn't uh, find the constant boring. tilt of the framing sort of unnerving? No. I, I, I just, really? It, the, it just the, didn't the, affect you at all? The chase through the sewers was god-awful boring. Uh, and uh, I, I'm sorry, it didn't do anything. How about the for scene me. where uh, Lime is sitting there in the the big central chamber, and he's 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 desperate. You know, he's like an animal. His eyes are burning with fear, and you hear him hear the vo all the German voices coming out of all the doorways, and it shoots the doorways, and he doesn't know where to go. That the tension of that moment, where it's 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 a sort of an it's sort of orally edited. It's just it just the tension there just blew my mind. I'm. I'm just. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm just. No, I get you. you. Affected by it. Yeah. No. I. I see how it that. Seemed, that. It that, seems so inventive. You could tell they were using, sort of a, a smaller area and shooting it a lot of different ways. And sure, maybe they could have cut out a couple of the cuts in there. But uh, I don't know. I thought. I thought the tension was nice. Like he's when he's reaching through the grates at the end, and they got yeah. the shot where the camera's sitting on the ground. How often did somebody take their fucking camera and put it on the goddamn ground where the foreground's out of focus back then? You're arguing my point. And I, I understand all that. Uh, but... Well, people don't do that now. Oh, what are you talking about? I mean, people they, aren't they did it in the movie that we just, films. What are you talking about? We saw that same exact scene in the movie we reviewed last week in Aliens, where Newt sticks oh. her hands up through the grate, and then Ripley runs up and grabs him. I mean, okay, you know, film, uh, camera on the ground. Okay, Third Man was the first time they put a camera on the ground. It's like, okay, I, you know, I, I totally understand that. That's like hyper inventive and new. And um, but as a conditioned modern film watcher, I don't, I can't appreciate that unless I really get into old film and watch a ton of old film chronologically, which I don't have the time or inclination to do. To be honest, uh, mm. I go to watch films to be entertained. Uh, you know, and cult movies for me are movies that I can watch over again. Uh, so I'm I'm a little bit lost in history on the third man. I mm. completely understand the context. I, com I completely understand why all the critics gave it 100%. But as art standing on its own, getting an evocative reaction out of a piece of art is – we talked about this before. If it doesn't emotionally, you know, uh, resonate with me, I – 
can't pull a lot out of it. Um, and I don't appreciate the art to the level that maybe it requires, you know, so. Well, the thing is, I don't understand. The thing I understand is I don't see how the the points of this movie, and this movie obscures itself, and it, it's full of hidden truths and uh, people acting of their own motivations, which aren't clearly stated. But I, I just don't understand how you, the, the cynicism of Lyme didn't resonate with you. I mean, in the opening sequence, he talks about how worthless human beings are, and he's happy to sell them because they're worth nothing. And he goes on that soliloquy, let me pay you a part. Nobody thinks in terms of human beings. Governments don't. Why should we? They talk about the people and the proletariat. I talk about the suckers and the mugs. It's the same thing. They have their five-year plans. So have I. I mean, he is, he's sure. such a cynic. He's become so cynical about the world. And you're, you're one of the strongest cynics I know. You're more cynical than I am. Yeah, I'm pretty cynical. And I'm just surprised that Lyme didn't... The cynicism of Lyme, the modernness of Lyme's looking at the world and seeing how it's just a big series of lies and, and garbage, and you might as well be a piece of garbage yourself if you're going to be in the trash can. I'm not sure. I'm, I just don't see how that didn't resonate with you. Well, I, no, I'm it, sort of surprised no, uh, about that. Okay. I, I'm not saying that it's all a wash. I'll, I won't say that about the third man. Uh, I found the scenes with Orson Welles uh, compelling. Uh, like you mentioned, that you know his cynicism. I, I guess uh, the only thing is, is, is as a cynic, uh, being cynical uh, every day. I, I guess the shock and awe of that statement again doesn't really resonate with me because I'm a little calloused to that idea. I find hyperboles of that statement much more intriguing, like in American Psycho, where I look at the Patrick Bateman character as sort of a human analog to a corporation. And he's, you know, as opposed to cheating uh, children out of proper medicine to make a buck, he just goes around and uh, is... uh, flagrant murder of human beings you know and so for me I, I it and again this is back to my argument the reason I, I didn't enjoy the third man I guess is because uh I'm a little too self-conditioned I think to give it its proper appreciation I think uh, I think you brought yourself too much to this film Matt uh, we always bring ourselves to films and I think that for some reason, you're just not compatible with this film, and I think it's it's I think it's too bad. It's, I'm not sure what direction tragedy. to go in. I, I mean, well, okay, so but there is dismiss a, the film on all I'm these grounds that are based it. on your own. No, I'm not dismissing it. Uh, I I did find there. Okay, so let me get into what I did enjoy about this film. I did enjoy the the few scenes with Harry Lime, although I would say his reason for being in the company of Holly Martin never made much sense to me. If he's really trying to uh, keep up the ruse, he would uh, avoid Holly Martin at all turns. He wouldn't have engaged him on the street. He would have, uh, you that know, he went accident. through a lot of effort to fake his own death. Why would he willingly expose uh, the ruse uh, in order for, he knows that Holly Martin's been talking to the cops and I don't know. I, I just found that he, bizarre. He, he didn't willingly expose the ruse. Yeah. He, he, well, he was on the street, and there was the cat. and uh, Because he went over to gaze through Anna's window. 
because he still longs for her, even though he's a terrible cynic, he still loves Anna. And you've never stood outside a, a long-lost love's house, even for a moment? Uh, only while masturbating, in, but in, that uh, doesn't take yeah, too long. Only with my no, pants it's... around my ankles. <laughs> you, or, or at somebody's, some place you used to know where you used to have been with somebody you loved and that love is lost. I mean, everybody's had that moment. Nah, we sure. sat there and they've taken the moment. And that's he's got nothing to do. He's sitting over just lying low in the, uh, in the Russian district. He just came over to to gaze and sort of longingly at Anna's place, and he just happened a beam of light happened okay. to hit his face. He just right. got in a bad situation, and when it happened, he sort of smiled to himself, like what sort of intrigue? He's he's a bit of a playful character, even though he's playing with life and death, and even his own life. He's still willing to play with it and sort of enjoy the I don't know the absurdity. Of the world, and I don't know if you could find a more absurd place than post-war Vienna. I mean, this is a broken city. Well, see, that's what I like. Broken people. Everybody's film is so broken. It's just you wonder what terrible history is like. What has Anna's life been like? She grew up in her late teens, early twenties during the war. She's from Czechoslovakia. She's living in Vienna, trying to stay away from fucking Stalin and his murder machine. She's desperate. God knows what she had to do even to get to Vienna. And now her world's crumbling down. The man she loves, she finds out, killed a bunch of children. Uh, and he, she, apparently he doesn't want to take care of her. I mean, she, her world's just falling apart. And there's just rubble everywhere. And there's still fucking uh, holes in the city from the bombings. Yeah. It's just, it's just such a broken place. It's, I, just find it, I just find it fascinating. All these characters, what do we not know about all these characters? Is one of the most amazing things about the film. What's hidden from us? You just can't imagine the horror that's behind everybody's eyes. I guess just, I just, I I just did, find I, it really intriguing. I, I I didn't get that from from uh, it Anna. Uh, and she's tortured. You don't see that in her eyes no, when she's trying to really. make decisions about things. No. You can't imagine what sort of horror she's been through. Not really living. Really, I mean. Are, she doesn't. Are, she, man, are, she, old old man, are you missing your empathy for other human beings? No, no I, I I didn't find. I thought her you believed in God. I didn't find her performance compelling enough. I didn't see, other than this kind of cold dead face, any sort of. Uh, uh, yeah, it was ruptured. cold and dead because it's been beaten. To, it's been beaten into submission by the by the world that time. I just you can't. You can't she possibly see, put yourself in her in her position. No, I can. I, I understand. I understand the the storyline with regard to her origins. Uh, the performance, I, I didn't see. Um, I didn't see any desperation. She seemed hardened and uh, dismissive of of I guess the Holly Martin character. Uh, which and why shouldn't she be? I, I don't know. I thought it was that's fine. Measured. I loved her performance. Well, I don't know what okay. her name is. I, I think either. she's Italian. Pretty hot. Yeah. Well, she and maybe and... I'm throwing the okay, maybe in a, and maybe I'm throwing the the baby out with the bathwater. But I, I okay, so the performance I did enjoy was Orson Welles. And Oh yeah. That's kind of goes without saying cuz Orson Welles is one of the greatest filmmakers of, you know, forever and ever. Uh so uh his performance is is truly interesting. Uh, every if take Orson Welles out of this film, take away some things out of this film, and if you put in somebody else, it wouldn't be 
if you got rid of Orson Welles, this movie would be kind of nothing. It would be. Well, there's, uh, there's another really strong character we haven't even talked about. How about Major? How about uh, a Major Calloway? Uh, I, th- I thought his performance was really, really intriguing. Where he's he's really the only he's trying to do his best working in the constraints of his of his position, and he's a moral man working with moral actions. You know, he's he's made the judgment. You know, he's he's the one that's still clinging to some sort of humanity in a in a in a just a world that's gone to hell. I think it's I think it's I love that stiff upper lip English thing, and maybe it's a trope, but I, I thought that performance was really strong as well. I don't know. I I didn't I didn't look into the tea leaves that much with the characters i uh i i viewed the to me it seemed this was this was a police pre- procedural story it uh, was at, at its yeah, core it was a gumshoe story yeah and i yeah. found the procedural not that interesting and so well, it was i mean the procedural was almost a pastiche because that was the i mean a little bit of that was sort of the basis that these characters were drawn around but i think the story was more about the desperate people in Vienna—that was the core. Well, no, and I liked—I—I I, I thought this for for starters, watching it, having it filmed in Vienna, with a cobbled together occupation police force, is is in, was obviously it was done for a, a reason to make the story what it was, and I found that an interesting setting. I found Vienna an interesting setting, but I almost kind of viewed the setting not in an emotional light, but more of a Kafka-esque light, more of the absurd. And uh, found the shots of Vienna as a ghost town. I didn't really see much. There was no life in the city, Uh, even though there were people walking around in shots. um, But it it looked kind of like, I don't know, I, I was thinking of sort of the war. I don't know much about history of Vienna and the war or what happened. I assume it kind of fell to the same fate as most German cities and it uh you know had a had a last stand at a certain level and then was kind it of It was occupied and bombed. Occupied. And that, yeah. Um obviously didn't get the brunt like Berlin got. Uh but uh I don't really know the history, but I found it interesting sort of the post-war post-apocalyptic look of the city. Um to me, I if I was a citizen of Vienna, it seems like it would have just been relief living there. You know, uh, I didn't get much of a emotional vibe out of of the city, at least in the film, because it just seemed like if I was living in Vienna, I'd be glad all that shit's gone, no matter what happened. You know, I'd well, be it's glad like, this, that it was looking over. at the city, looking at Vienna in this film was like looking at the dead eyes of a Vietnam vet that saw too much. Yeah, see, you, you're, you you're sort of see that you sort of see the horror it behind did. it. I'm, I'm not sure I'm making any anything horror. out of it. I'm, I think I'm, we're seeing what we're seeing. I, I think didn't the movie see any is, horror. I saw no horror. In, you saw no in horror in the piles of rubble? No. The piles. In piles. There was just piles of rubble buildings. I mean, they were at two separate times, there was a chase scene that basically they chased across the destroyed bricks of a building. They basically yeah, ran up the no side of a crumbled building. There was no what, what personal... There was no. You can't personal think about effects. the people's lives that were destroyed when that building fell. Not from what I was given earlier? in the film. Not what I was given. I I, I didn't see any personal uh, I, effects. I didn't see any. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I I'm not trying to go Spielberg here, but I saw more absurdity 
in the shots of destroyed Vienna than I saw any sort of emotional tragedy. Uh, I didn't see anybody really affected by the war in this film. And you went on about Anna, but to me, uh, you don't know. I mean, throw me a bone. I don't know. Well, how, she about, like, how, about the, how about the two desperate, the two criminal guys? They're just dis- disgusting. Uh, Kurtz and uh, we got Kurtz and we got uh, the doctor, Dr. Yeah. Winkel. Right. And we got uh, the Hungarian uh, or uh, uh, Papascu. Papascu. I mean, you can sort of see these these people have just been they're creepy and they've just been they were I mean, they've they intimate that you got to do what you got to do to survive in Vienna. And what they're doing is diluting uh, penicillin for children. I mean, okay. I just just more sort of it's, you know, right. I, when I think about this movie, I think about every time we go to war, every time war is made by one people on another, the sort of um, it's not so much the bomb itself. It's it's like there's like an area of effect that just it's not it's not just the explosion. There's like 10, 100 times beyond the radius of the bomb. Everybody, everybody's hurt. Every person takes the damage. I mean, just look about this this bombing in in uh, in um, Boston while we were on break. Yeah, I mean, it's a couple of small backpack bombs killed three people, a kid and two young women, blew some people's legs off. But they're just two tiny bombs, and look how people lost their shit. How many people are waking up in the middle of the night in Boston with panic attacks? How many people have has to go see the shrink in order to make a to make a sense of the world now. Just imagine being in a city where it wasn't just a couple of little backpack bonds by a couple of dissatisfied immigrants to the U.S., but it was the whole power of, 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 of nation states blowing up your no, city. I would say that's a Just imagine. Analogy. I just I, I don't see how you can't analogy. appreciate the, the... Oh, that's bullshit, man. How well, is that a poor analogy? I'm saying, that, look, this little tiny bullshit bomb hurts people so much just imagine the hurt imagine all the, the hurt of these people i just don't see how you can't imagine the anguish and the pain that are behind these people's oh, somewhat dead eyes you you, uh, you totally i uh, know i completely do i don't get it from the you film. don't i don't, don't get it from you don't the film. see it i don't see it in the performances i see in the film i don't get that i'm not getting it uh okay let me point out an example of some weak sauce that i thought uh, trying to, it was almost a like Spielberg motion, emotional extortion moment that couldn't even deliver. And it was the scene in the hospital where Calloway takes Holly by the hospital to see all the kids that are suffering from the diluted penicillin. Show yeah. me a kid. Show me a kid. I didn't see one kid. I thought maybe it'd be too extreme for viewers. Fuck, I didn't, okay, fine. I didn't care. I stopped caring. Well, I like, I'll have Michael Bay CGI something in. For uh, I don't know, so man. I feel better. So I don't even care if it was hurt a, by this movie. You didn't have to do much. You could have just had a baby crying and saying it was sick. Uh, sh- show me something, you know. Uh, to me, it seemed absurd. There's like, where's the babies? I don't see a baby, you know. Uh, show me the effects of Harry Lime's, you know, his uh, transgressions. Uh, other than, I'll email you some dead baby pics later. Yeah, that's not that what I'm that talking might, about. That might feel the need you need. Well, you're not. Okay. I, you're speaking outside the context of the film, and I'm totally immersed in it. I, I understand the horror that could, you know, of, I don't understand the horror of war, but I understand the horror that war can cause. Believe me, I read a ton on uh, World War II and the Eastern Front especially. Uh, I understand the barbarity 
but but I don't I don't get that feeling from this movie. I don't get a huddled masses, uh, desperate people vibe from the third man. I get sort of a vacant Vienna, a post-apocalyptic Vienna, where um, it's more of a ghost town. Uh, there's not a lot of extras in the film. The ones that we do do see don't really seem all that desperate. I mean, you can argue that they're shell-shocked and sort of emotionally vacant from the war, and uh, maybe that's more true with the the Anna character. But uh, at its heart, this film is supposed to be a film noir police procedural. And the most intricate part of a police procedural is its plotting, its mystery. And there's the turn with Harry Lyme. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, I knew there was a twist. I didn't I didn't know what it was. Um, I had a feeling that the third man was was Harry Lyme. But okay, then where's the story supposed to take me after that? Where's the mystery? Where's the revelation that comes in police procedurals? Um, there's a chase scene that goes on too long, I thought. Uh, yeah, it was shot beautifully. Um, but uh, so what? I don't know. You know, I, I'm... Uh, there was this kind of, you know, Holly trying to make a connection with Anna seemed a little disingenuous. Uh, he didn't understand her, obviously. I don't know. I, I, I'm just, I'm sorry. I, 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 I couldn't connect with the third man. Uh, didn't mean I didn't appreciate it. So, well, I hate to open another can of. Uh, worms, oh, please. But, uh, I guess you hated the zither as well. The what? The zither. What's the zither? The music. That was fine. That was fine. I guess. Yeah, it was unique, and I. It was uh, outside the, I guess, classical orchestral scoring of of movies like this. Uh, so no, I did appreciate that. I thought it was good. I like kind of lone guitar soundtracks in film. It's you don't see much zither, do you? Sort of interesting instrument. Is it's a what kind of what kind of guitar is it? Is it Spanish? I'm not sure what it is. It's got a lot of strings, though, I think. That's what we see at the intro sequence, yeah. is the zither. Yeah. Yeah. It's I an interesting it... sound. You don't hear it elsewhere very often. Is it like a gypsy? Um... I wonder if it is. I, I didn't look into it, but it certainly has a weird sound to itself. Sort of, It's sort of a banjo-y, but more complex than a banjo. I think it may be because it has so many strings, you get some interesting harmonics. And a banjo is so tinny and simple in yeah. its sound. I like. I like that. No, I like the soundtrack. Uh, that was unique. Um, I guess it was a real fight to get that soundtrack on there because uh, oh. it was sort of unusual for the time. So many aspects of the film was a little pushing the envelope of filmmaking. Well, of course, and and, and the soundtrack was part of that. Yeah, right. So I, I think that, I thought that worked pretty well. I thought it was pretty interesting. And they didn't mix it up either. It was always it was zither all the way through. So I think it seems like you're saying that I'm unjustified in my criticism of this film. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I think you're being overly harsh about the film, but that's okay. I, I'm don't really I'm not really interested in talking about that anymore. Um, okay, what do you want to talk about? I think that uh, well, I think I think we should go ahead. One of the reasons I picked this film, and I really thought you'd like it, so I'm sort of no, I'm a little, I, I, I'm a, no, 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 I don't want I don't want to talk like about it. it any longer. My feelings are a little hurt. I can't tell you that I'm, I'm feeling a little hurt. <laughs> well, you shouldn't take it personally. Have you seen this no, movie before? I, I, yeah, I saw it before a couple of years ago. Actually, more okay. like five or five or six years ago and i really enjoyed it that's okay i really don't want to talk about your criticisms of the film any longer um one thing um one reason i picked this film because i'm trying to do older films 
kind of tried trying to move some older films into our podcast, some historical aspects of film, try to find something that I think would fit with you. It didn't work this time. I'm going to keep trying. Um, is uh, thinking about the death of uh, Ebert. This is yeah. one of Ebert's favorite films. No, I, I, I read film. that. He has, no, a, I'm, I, he has a really well fun. Aware. He has fun place to start. So I thought it'd be nice. You know, we you know we talked about Ebert a lot, and he's sort of an important part of this film. And so uh, I wanted to visit something that Ebert would like. Ebert reviewed this in 96. It's one of his uh, great movies. He has sort of a series of four stars that he uh, writes uh, sort of postmortems on in the future, you know, after the release date. And that's what we're reading. I'm not, I didn't read any uh, reviews at the time. It's pretty old to get a an yeah. in-situ review. I guess I could have looked one up, but since this was sort of about Ebert for me, I, I thought I'd just stick with this. Uh, he starts the movie out complimenting the um, the zither. He says, the sound is jaunty, but without joy, which I think is an interesting descriptor. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, I don't know, it kind of, it seemed a little Kafka-esque, which I liked. I, I did it's like a little bit. And the movie's like that, I think, to a certain extent. People are sort of caught in the, you know, the web that we've created in the world with the... He's sort of... I mean, the movie's sort of making a criticism of the way post-war Europe was handled, I think, in a certain extent. Um, he starts out talking... He spends a lot of time talking about the movie, and I think it sort of gets at some of the things that you found were weaknesses and, and maybe aren't the strengths of the movie. He says, uh, how did Lime die? That's the, that is the engine that drives the plot. It's not much yeah. of an engine. It's more like a, like a two-stroke uh, lawnmower engine. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. That didn't really bother me so much. But there you go. Um, he says the third man was made by a man who knew the devastation of Europe firsthand. And he talks about how the director, Carol Reed, and, and the screenwriter, uh, Graham Greene, were both involved in the war and were active in you know official capacities during that time in Europe. So they knew they knew the world they were filming in. Um. He talks about the characters a little bit like he calls a uh, Joseph Cotton open. Ha- he says he has an open and naive face and he sort of does. He's in. We talked about his naivete. Well, he's a drunk, too. And, <laughs> he is uh, a drunk on top of everything else. You yeah, get he's a little. He's a fuck up. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know what capacity he thought he could help his friend Harry Lyme in the film. Well, he I, was I that's that's his it. naivete. He just thinks he can roll into Vienna that's full of intrigue and bitter characters with hidden motives and just sort of ride roughshod over the whole town. He's just, he's sort yeah. of an idiot. Maybe that's um, the Western trope there. Maybe that's what uh, I was yeah. missing. And, and, um, and I think Ebert talks about that a little bit though. I won't, I won't focus on that. He sort of talks about that aspect of him. Um, he does, he does really like the, the scene where, uh, Wells is revealed by, uh, I mean, the Lime character is revealed by that shaft of light and, you know, uh, I guess you, you look back on it, you know, looking at revolutions when they've been incorporated into modern filmmaking, it's tough to see him as revolutionary. I don't know. I think I have an easier well, way of setting myself outside of that. But I understand what you're saying that, you know, why should I see it's done? Why should I see something done the first time? Why should I why should I own the first cell phone? It was revolutionary, but I really like my smartphone because well, I really and, got and- it refined. That's not necessarily true for art, and I understand that. Like, uh, when you talk about sort of an antagonist, I guess is, 
I guess what Harry Lyme is like in Apocalypse Now or uh, Marlon Brando comes. Yeah, in I think he is. Like, that's it's right. You know, Lyme is a lot is a lot like Colonel Kurtz in a way. A little bit. He's sort of outside the story. You spend so little time with them. Yet he's he is the engine, I guess, to a certain extent that drives the story, but it's hidden. Yeah. Well, and it's uh, it's intriguing because and it, Orson Welles is enigmatic, and uh, he actually wrote, according to legend, considerable parts of his dialogue in this film. And you missed one that I thought you would have put right at the beginning of the intro, which I don't quite understand. Well, one of what, his what, most what? famous lines in the uh, Ferris wheel. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't. Do you have the drop? I can read it. I don't have any other drops. I'm not sure which uh, one that you like so much. You know what the fellow said? In Italy for 30 years, under the mm. Borgias, they had warfare, terror, murder, and bloodshed. But they produced Michelangelo, Angelo, Leonardo da Vinci, and the Renaissance. In Switzerland, they had brotherly love. They had 500 years of democracy and peace. And what did they produce? The cuckoo clock. Uh, I thought that was an interesting line. I thought it was it's an intriguing line. line. I liked it at first, but I read about it a little bit. And it sort of revealed that it's, it's sort of a... A misinterpretation of history. yeah, it's not really true. That's probably why I sort of I liked it at first, but then after I read about it a little bit and it seemed that it was really just sort of a, a, not really true. It sort of what was the true gist of that of that line? It wasn't him. Well, I think it was the, the point. Else. I understand the point that sometimes you know we talk about. I mean, you've listened to the hardcore history. Oh, uh, yeah. by what's his name? He talks Dan about Carlin. these uh, these historical arsonists when he especially when he, he did his long segment on the. Uh, on Genghis, Genghis Khan, um, he talks about these historical arsonists like Alexander the Great. They come through and they just fucking destroy everything. And it's sort of like after a forest fire, you get new growth and new ideas. And is this historical arson, is this destruction and rape and, and murder, is this, in the end, when you calculate all the numbers, is this better for humanity? Is it better to have this new growth, all this suffering followed by new growth, or no suffering and sort of stodginess? And uh, it's it's tough to say. I mean, well, he leaves it up in the air. It's sort of your own interpretation to a certain extent, whether or not you think it's worth it. Were you? It was the Holocaust worth it for the Jewish state? I mean, without the Holocaust, uh, the land of Israel that exists today probably wouldn't be there i mean this is a point that harlan makes and harlan and uh he goes oh and okay got it sorry yeah he makes this point about so if you ask people that were sitting in the concentration camps being starved and waiting to be gassed would they think it's worth it was would they say their lives were worth the jewish the modern jewish state yeah it's uh it's it's an unanswerable question it's a little disingenuous as well i mean it doesn't i mean i don't see how it's distant i mean because because it's not really a choice yeah, it's not a choice, and you have no ability to see into history. Uh, not in, not at the moment, but in the past, do we we sort of revere these people? These well, that's how we get. Yeah, yeah, so it's that's worth true. it, or well, is it not worth it? It's a I don't question. Know. It depends. It depends on whether you think uh, you know Israel was worth the Holocaust, which I'm not uh, at all of that opinion. So. Uh, yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's it's clear. It's almost weird. The answer becomes clearer the further you get away from it. I don't know. I took from that quote more of a uh, personal, I guess, analogy, which I think of as more in the art realm of things that only that really, really good art, as you like to say, good art, uh, real good art, real good art 
comes from fucked up people. I don't ever see really good art coming from untortured, affluent, uh, happy people. Uh, I don't see that ever. I, it has to come from chaos and uh, tribulation. And he mentions artists there. He doesn't mention you know Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, those mm. folks. Um, That's a good point. I saw this more in an artistic about, concept, context. He also and, mentions he also mentions artists, the cuckoo clock, sort of the the uh, sort of a craft type artist that everybody disparages. Yeah, the stuff that you get in tourist villages and. Uh, you know, although Giger is Swiss, so I think he's a little bit wrong there. So uh, I mean, I understand it's a great it's a great line, and it's just that it it's historical inaccuracy sort of. I understand. I probably I probably shouldn't have looked into it, but I did. Yeah, I, I took it. But you're right. It I, is I, it is a great line. That's one reason I didn't take it. I mean that that whole okay. speech on that Ferris wheel is just mind boggling. I love how he he threatens Holly at one point of yeah, shooting him, and throwing him off the goddamn. Yeah, he op- he opens the little <laughs> door, you know. And, uh, no, and then Holly scene. goes, it probably scene. shouldn't be too hard to get rid of me. And he says, not too hard. <laughs> See, I was looking forward to much more of that, I guess. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't get more of that from – I would have liked to have seen a little bit more uh, Orson Welles in this film. And Maybe Holly. the movie pales from those incredibly bright spots, makes takes the luster away from the rest of the film to a certain extent. Uh, anyway, more on Ebert. What do what you almost do? Let's do guy here. Um, oh, he says the emotional heart of the movie is Holly's infatuation with Anna. I don't, I can't really agree with that. That's just sort of goes. That's another one of Holly's faults. He just, he falls in love easily. Just another well, one. He's a drunk. He's sort of, he's a naive and he falls in love easily with a see, woman that had, would have no interest. He's just so, he's such a fuck up. Well, and that motivation uh, didn't work for me either. Uh, his, I can understand a genuine infatuation, but he didn't even seem like he was. He was like going through the motions with that whole thing, and trying to be your savior. Um, well, I think it was an interesting deal he made. I thought the film portrayed that really well. Well, he didn't really want to betray his friend, but he found a price that he basically he he figured out what the price would be to make one of those dots stop moving. Yeah. And I thought I, yeah. that was I thought that was interesting. It was a little bit of a moment of clarity in a man whose mind is rather disorganized, Holly. And I thought that I thought that was a neat uh, He just wasn't even a likable fuck up. <sighs> no, he was just a fuck up. He was just a I know, but I mean up. if you're going to be a fuck up in a movie could you at least be likable? So I kind of There's there's no know, there's I, no law that you have to have likable characters in your film. No, I mean I don't, you know, I know you don't like I'm speaking totally uh, out of out of uh, that's all right. I, I'm already past being hurt and angry, so you can <laughs> well, say whatever you want now. Th- I'm in my refractory of, period. There's there's but there's a lot of likable fuck ups in movies, and uh, I didn't find any connection with the chief protagonist. I guess the actual protagonist and the main character in the novella was uh, Major Calloway. I guess it wasn't even yeah. from the Holly Martin perspective. It was from Calloway's perspective, which I thought mm. would be way more interesting. Uh, yeah, that would have been a little more of a classic procedural. The hard-boiled, you've seen all the terrible things in the world, and you just got a list of motherfuckers to bring in, and you're just going to work through them. Well, I thought it would have probably worked better because you have somebody who's much more intimate with the post-war, I guess, uh, machinations of... of you know, you know, 
individuals and conspiracies and crime and all that. It just seemed, I mean, that's all police procedurals are usually from the police standpoint. And uh, it, this took this, this is kind a, of, yeah, I mean, I guess in that way, it's not really, I guess there's one, one reason I guess I like this film is I, I sort of see myself reflected in Hawley a little bit because he doesn't really, okay. it feels like he wasn't really involved in the war. He's naive about these people. He can't really empathize with him. He can't really understand him. He's a fish yeah. out of water and there's no hope. He'll never learn how to swim in that ocean. And I guess yeah. I sort of see myself there and I guess I sort of feel for him a little bit. I know, sort but of, you're not. I mean, he's, an, he's, an, he's a child. Yeah, he has like the emotional maturity of an 18 year old. He thinks that uh, um, he doesn't have any sort of uh, patience to understand the perspective of the people that he's interacting with. Which he seems... tries to beat the world into a, bla- a series of black and whites, of bad guys and good guys. Yeah, and it's like, oh, I got to do the not. right thing. I just got to do the right thing. Yeah. And so. he sort of gets manipulated by people. I mean, Calloway manipulates him at the end by taking the Lime character and switching him over to Black, which is what he had to do anyways. But uh, I don't know. Maybe that's one reason I liked it more because, I don't know, I saw myself more in uh, Halsey's character. Um, Let's see here. Oh, there's a great SAT word in this review. Uh, He says, the final seed of the third man is a long elegiac sigh. Elegiac. Yeah, you don't see that very often. Uh, What what does that even mean? It it basically means like mournful. I had to look it up. Oh, okay. I didn't know how to pronounce it. Uh, (laughs) if it's on the SAT, it wasn't on my SAT. Um, and he talks about the, well, that's how he's describing the last scene. I thought the last scene was pretty neat. I always like when a camera holds. Yeah, that was a good scene. I I did enjoy that one. She just walks right past that dumb shit. Yeah, no, I know. That was good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You really want, I was really wondering what the film was going to do at the end. I thought it was going to pull its punch, but it didn't. You know? I think they wanted to. I think there I, uh, didn't. Isn't there something here that says that they wanted to make it a happier ending, but didn't? Yeah, I'm didn't sure they probably did. So let me guns. just read the the last uh, sentence or two sentences okay. from the review. He talks about his experience seeing the film when he was a younger man. He says, "Seeing it, this is Ebert. I realized how many Hollywood movies were like the pulp westerns that Holly Martin's wrote." Naive formulas supplying happy endings for passive consumption. I read the other day that they plan to remake The Third Man. Do you think Anna will cave to Holly? Or will she remain true to her bitter cynicism and unspeakable knowledge? Oh, no, I would go to the, the former on that one. Because uh, all all remakes are, of classic films tend to be terrible these yeah. days. I don't know what, what the deal is. or sapped of their emotional... Uh, resonance. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't think they'll ever remake this one. I think that there's too much unsaid. It's too unclear of a movie to be consumed easily. Yeah, agreed. And uh, I guess that's just the way it is. So, boy, that was uh, that was quite a roller coaster of a uh, podcast, man. I went yeah, from, I know. I'm I sorry being for disappointing you again. Being sad now. It's the way it goes. I, mean, uh, I did want to talk about. Life. Before, there were some questions I had. Maybe you can resolve about the, uh, I guess, the cohorts or friends of Harry Lyme. Was it me or did the two characters have the same dog? What what was up Uh, with that? No, I think they might have been a a homosexual couple. Basically, the doctor, Dr. Dr. Vinkel and Baron Kurtz. 
right? Baron or is it they, rat-like you know when because his it was it was Kurtz's dog who ran out. It, you feel like Wink Winkle was having dinner with Kurtz. Okay, and then you see them later in their smoking jackets on their uh, balcony, looking down together, and they sort of they sort of they're really close to each other and they sort of hold each other. Yeah. I got a feeling that maybe they were a couple. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because uh, and well, <laughs> gay men love little dogs. <laughs> no, I think you know. I wonder. No, I never. I didn't see anybody talk about it. You know, I I wonder if it might have been an attempt to use a trope to make them seem more evil, or was it oh. really a sort of a modern, sort of uh, a real modern sense that homosexuality is just part of life. I don't know. I well, they were evil characters, was... so they weren't painting them in any sort of contemporary normalcy. Uh, yeah, I think maybe it was. Uh, they were going to try to maybe paint it a little more broadly as homosexual, but they pulled their punch, and so all we see is the vaguest hints of it. That yeah. Maybe I think we well, got to remember back in those times, people didn't think Liberace was gay. I know that's such. That so always. I think only from our modern sensibility can we really infer that. So I think maybe we're bringing that with us too. But you're but, right; they were really close. Whatever it was. Yeah, well, they shared the same little dog. I don't know. Whenever I see, yeah, I guess a little dog and an adult man, I always, well, I have a little dog. I shouldn't talk. But uh, gay men love little dogs. They just, I don't know, something about it. No, when no, I, you're right. I got that feeling, too, but I didn't, uh, didn't it's hard. I just muted. When I was down in Palm Springs over Christmas, uh, Palm Springs is called the gay 90s because uh, people are either gay or they're 90 years old who live in Palm Springs. And uh, it is a town saturated with little dogs because you have old folks and you have gay men and there's just little dogs everywhere. So like the pet boutique shops were kind of fun to go into because we have a bunch of little dogs, you know, because it was just like little dog mania everywhere. Uh, So, yeah. Anyway, I just thought I think it's that's I think it's I have the relationship with dogs as you have with this film. Just don't get them. All right. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I, I, like I said, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I appreciate and understand this film from its uh, revolutionary uh, standing in filmmaking. And I understand that we wouldn't have films like Blah, 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 and Blah, Blah, Blah if we didn't have the third man. Um, but I'm a creature of my time. And uh, it's, it really comes down. And I always view films as a bastard art. I don't view it as a pure form of art, uh, which means that it is art that's created from many individuals. Uh, and you always get sort of a bastardized product um, whenever you have multiple people contributing to an artistic piece. Uh, and so th- with that, uh, I, I need to really enjoy a movie. Uh, I, as opposed to looking at a painting for an hour and a half, I need to really, you know, hey, I need to, I need to, I need some motive, good, good characters, some good plot. I need some of these more pulpy elements that, um, you know, I like avant-garde cinema. Don't get me wrong, but for a police procedural, at least something in in the guise of that format, uh, it. It leaves me a little cold, and that's a personal thing. It's not anything against this film. It's not like I'm saying it's a bad movie and this sucked. I'm just explaining why I didn't enjoy it, and that's fine, you know. Yeah, that's fine. And now that I'm no longer butt hurt, that's, I'm fine with it too. <laughs> right? Yeah, don't but take it personally. I was, personally, I was butt hurt there for about 15 minutes. Uh, all right, sorry. I, I, that's I, the way I, it goes. It's all right. Okay. You don't need to apologize for somebody else. 
getting their feelings hurt. Well, maybe I'll find it a movie passes. that I know you won't like. I, I, have, have I not? You know, I guess I'm. It's amazing. I always think of myself as a pessimist, but I think I'm more of an optimist than you are. I'm trying to think of a movie. I, well, I, I'll I, find. I've thrown some ones that you really didn't like. Boy, I, I still I feel like I still need to hit some historical ones, but I guess, right. I guess I'm gonna have to shred lightly on history. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, it makes for a lively podcast when we don't. We I don't guess like I was. Sort, like I was almost movie. ready to quit podcasting. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Geez. Well, I'm sort of emotional. I'm I'm a bit hot headed, but okay. uh, I reined it in. I'm okay now. <laughs> it takes a while for the molecules to be reabsorbed in your brain. There's right. about a there's about a 12 minute recycling period. Oh, I could have lied. I could have just go. Oh, yeah, that was an awesome scene. Oh, I like that one too. You know, I could have. No, I'm not. I'm not asking it. you not to do that. I mean, being yeah. having emotions is part of being a human. I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, uh, I don't, but I believe, I believe things. myself a robot from the future. So I don't know what you're getting at. So all right. Are we ready to move on for two? Yeah, let's move for on. Next what, are, what are we, uh, what are we doing next week? We're doing Quentin Tarantino's reservoir dogs. And oh, that was on TV the other night. I, I saw a few bits of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I think that movie's like almost 20 plus years old now. It's uh, 20, uh, 91, I think it came out. I don't remember. Uh, it's been a while. So I, the most confusing part of that movie is why it's called Reservoir Dogs. I understand the dogs part, oh, but I don't understand I the Reservoir Dogs it. part. That's interesting. Uh, Maybe we'll have to try to answer that question. Hey, well, how about this? Why don't both of us think about that question and come up with our own answers? Oh, we'll and, and then drive. actually maybe look up the actual reason why it's called Reservoir Dogs. Oh, I guess we could. Well, we better be careful not. May we? Do you, oh, you've already looked it up. No, I haven't. We should write I'm down what we think the, the, and the then name look of it the up. movie means. Okay. And then we should go look up like on the trivia okay. bit. On, so on that's our homework. It's yeah. Like a, a one small paragraph explanation of what you think it is. And then we'll, yeah. we'll and then you can look it up afterwards and we'll see. Yeah. It's anywhere near see what we came up with. So it'll be. <laughs> That'll it'll be, be fun. fun. All right. So next week, Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. And uh, until then. Next time, we'll have a foolproof coffin. <laughs>